Ja, mein Bruder. Amen. What he said. Amen. You know, I couldn't help. I was watching Brother Spurgeon up here, you know. Y'all, you could tell right away when, when he walked up here, they're not professional singers. But do, you, but do you know what they know how to do? Somebody guess? They know how to walk with God. They know how to get God on something. Amen. And it comes out of blessing to God's people. Amen. I'd rather have that than all the professionals in town. Amen. I like it when God shows up. Amen. Whether they're singing, preaching, praying, fellowshipping. Amen. I mean, man, I want to tell you something. God is still in business, folks. Uh, some of these things they just said, uh, I got a testimony from today that goes back about, I don't know, a couple years. My mother's 87. My mother still, when she can, lives in her apartment by herself. She gets around with a walker, but she's by herself. And uh, as long as she can do that, I'm going to let her. Amen. And uh, she fell. Was that two years ago? Christmas? It was Christmas Day or Christmas Eve right there. She fell, broke her hip. And uh, my wife, that's when I had, yeah, it was, because that's when I, I got COVID just after that. My wife was in Pennsylvania taking care of my mom. I got COVID. I'm in Florida. And I'm down for the count. And, and uh, mom got better. And she got, we got to this apartment. And she stood in the apartment the day I left to go out on the road. And she's crying. She said, son, I want to thank you. I said, Mom, what are you thanking me for? She said, put me in this place. I said, Mom, I didn't put you in here. I learned a long time ago, you don't tell my mother what to do, amen. You let her make the decision, and when she makes the decision, then she can do it, and she will do it. And bless God, she'll do it just to prove to you she can. And so uh, I let her go about it. My cousin, he kind of steered some things because, you know, she, he, he could make suggestions. She'd listen to him. If I made a suggestion, she'd bite my head off. So I let him make the suggestions. He called me and he said, would that be all right? I said, you go right ahead. So he made the suggestions and showed her some places he could get her some help to help her get that, this done and that done and all that. And, and man, she got in there and she said, son, I want to thank you for putting me in here. I said, mom, I, I didn't do that. You chose it. I didn't tell you what to do. She said, no, but she said, you kind of was, had Steve helping me and you guys helped me get in here. And I said, mom, I'm, I'm just glad you're here. And she started crying. She said, you don't understand. She said, I don't have a worry in the world anymore. She was living in the house, and the house was costing money that she couldn't get because the only money she had, besides a little pitterance of Social Security, was some trailers that they've been renting out, and, and but it's getting to the place where nobody pays rent anymore. Amen. They hadn't had rent paid up, and so she'd call me just about daily crying because there were bills due, and she didn't have the money. And we'd have to scrape the money together to pay mom's bills. And, and so she said, oh, thank you, because the only worry I got now is getting up in the morning. Well, she fell again back, uh, was it October or something back in there? And uh, my cousin's there, Myrna, and Myrna's like my sister. She's a sweetheart. And she, uh, she took mom to the doctor, and they did a few things. And they said, well, she's gonna have, when she come out of the hospital, they said she's going to have to go to the nursing home for rehab. So they put her in her nursing home for rehab, you know, and I was just praying. I said, God, you know what's best for my mom. You know, and I'm at the age, I said, here I am, I'm, I'm getting older. And I told you about the decisions I had to make back in February 
last year. And, and, and uh, so I'm thinking about this thing. And my wife, she says, man, honey, you could just, you could just, you know, we could just move up there and you could take, we could take care of mom. And I said, but honey, God didn't call me to go up there. God didn't give me peace about going up there. I said, yes, I love my mom, but God's got to do this thing. I can't do it. If I get in this thing, I'm going to mess it up. And I said, besides that, how am I going to do what I do from up there? The nearest airport is two hours away, which happens to be Buffalo. Anybody tried to fly into Buffalo lately? <laughs> Forget it, man. You ain't getting in or out. And so that's how, that's scratch that, right? That ain't going to work. And so, well, you could do this and, well, you could retire. I said, on what? I didn't get in this thing to retire. I mean, I read my Bible. I didn't find a getting off place, Brother Joe. I didn't find one. I, hey, other guys do. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you did. But I didn't find one for me. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Can you all tell I love what I do? I'm having a time of my life, man. I don't know what it's going to be when it's over, but I'm having a time of it right now. Amen. It's going to get better from here. And so... I said, honey, I, I just don't see a way. On the way down here, she said, you know, we could do that. I said, honey, what, what are we, how am I going to do that? Man, you think I'm miserable now? Wait till that happens. You'll find the most miserable man on the planet because I'll be out of the will of God. I, well, I just burdened because that's my mother. Listen, man, my mother nearly died giving me birth. Had there not been a machine the size of a cement truck, it looked like a cement, giant cement mixer, my dad said. It was called the kidney dialysis machine. And my mother was the first human being to ever be put on it. And it gave her back one kidney. She had one kidney my whole life. But it was all because I was born. Amen. I, I love my mother. And I want the best for my mother. I said, God, you know the best. I don't. And so she's in this nursing home, and we were praying. We've been praying for all the while, you know, since October that somehow she could go back to the apartment because, you know, she just, she does, likes it better there. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do here. What do I do? How do I, how do, I do this? And what, what, what's going to happen? And now, Lord, would you do something? God, would you? Well, you know, here it is, since COVID. Have you noticed nobody wants to work? If, you, if you're a worker in here, you're doing the work of five people because the other four ain't there. Yeah. Amen. And so nobody wants to work. You can't hire nobody. You can't find nobody wants to come in. I mean, they put out the nursing home, put out the whole entire northwest quarter of Pennsylvania for somebody to take these hours. My mom's allotted 49 hours a week. And all that is is to go in and make sure she takes her pills because she gets them confused. And then, you know, she'll take one out of this day and she'll take that day. And then, oh, wait a minute, that one's empty. So she'll take one out of this day and put it in there and one out of this day and put it in there. And the next thing you know, the pills are all mixed up. Yeah. And she's not taking the right dosage on the right day at the right time. And so it's, man, her blood pressure is going this way and everything else going this way and her eyeballs are going this way and she don't know which way's up. And so just somebody do that. Just to sit with her. Amen. And maybe, maybe take a load of laundry to the laundry for her right there in, in the building and, and wash it and bring it back. And, and then somebody come in at night, make sure the same thing. Pills are done. She, she's, you know, and, and you watch her in the morning, take a shower. Amen. Make sure that's all taken care of. That's all it is. And so we couldn't get anybody. And man, I'm telling you, it was weighing hard on us. And we just kept praying. When did Annie call? Was it yesterday? 
Yesterday we got a call from one of my cousins. She's got cerebral palsy herself. And uh, she said, hey, I got some great news. And so she starts telling about this lady who's willing to come and fill all that time helping my mother. And, and here it's a friend from a church my mother went to years gone by. Folks, I want to tell you, I heard my wife shout today. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when she gets a shout, you know God's in the place. <laughs> That's what Jack Wood used to say about Miss Wyvonne. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, why? Because now that thing's getting coming together, amen, and we talked to the people at the nursing home and said, look, you know, how do we get this all together? How do we get this lady paid? She said, we'll work on that for you. We'll take care of that. And it looks to me like she's going to be leaving this place, going back home, amen? I'm here to tell you, man, God cares. Praise the Lord. Amen. amen? And not only does he care, he'll do whatever he has to get done, amen, to get the job done for you, Amen. amen. And for your mother, amen, and don't matter how old you are, don't matter how young you are, don't matter how crippled you are, don't matter how much problem you got, don't matter if you got half a brain, God cares, amen. And he'll do whatever's needed for you. Take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 20. I was going to preach another message. I've had that happen all week. I have messages. That I'd keep getting messages. And, and I had a message I was going to preach tonight. Once again, I got up this morning, started praying and started looking in my Bible. And God said, over here, right here, right there. That's what you're going to preach. I said, yes, sir. Amen. Acts chapter 20. We'll begin reading there in verse 16. And we'll read down about verse 32. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came unto Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. That's my life verse now. Amen. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now I behold, now behold, I know that ye all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them 
which are sanctified. Father, thank you for the privilege it's been to be here this week. And Lord, in particular, even for right now. Uh, Lord God, uh, I've enjoyed it. Lord, it's been good to be around you. It's been good to be around your people. It's been good to get fed. It's been good to preach. God, it's been easy preaching this week. Lord God, I thank you for the work that's been laid out here. And God, the groundwork that's been built and the building that's being built, God, spiritually. And Lord God, for all you're doing in hearts. Lord God, what a joy to have just a little part of it. And Lord God, I thank you for it. I pray now, God, the best I know how, once again, give you the vessel. And I, God, ask you and beg you, God, please, to fill it to overflowing. And please take that overflow and meet it out to each heart. And God, speak to each heart. And may we go away saying it was good to be here tonight. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I got thinking about that while the preacher was talking, too, about them little boys and, that, and them fishes, you know, and them disciples. When he said something, it clicked. I leaned over my wife. I said, you know what? Them fishes and that bread went through the disciples' hands. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So you know what God's trying to do? He's trying to get you. He's trying to get me to where he can put it through our hands. Amen. Amen. And, you know, you're the only God somebody's going to see. Amen. Amen. And so it's important how we do this thing. Amen. You know, Paul here, he's uh, he's doing this farewell message to the church at Ephesus and to the elders. And there's one more message in the Bible makes a great farewell message. The Lord gave it in John 14. Amen. In the first four verses. In, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Amen. And I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again. Amen. And receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Amen. Right. And whither I go, you know, in the way, you know. Good farewell message, man. The Lord left his disciples there. You know, that one's got a real great message at the end of it. I'm coming back for you. <laughs> Amen. And that's what we're looking for. But, you know, Paul's leaving here and. Uh, He realizes the Lord ain't come back yet. Listen, when you read through that book, you read all those disciples, you read Paul, you read Peter, amen, there in Acts 2, and you read those guys, and what are they looking? They're thinking the Lord's going to come back while they're preaching. Amen. And he could very well come back before this night's out. Amen. In fact, when you look at everything around us, it's real close. Amen. And that's the thing about it. We need to realize this thing is, it's been imminent for 2,000 years. Amen. But it's a whole lot more imminent now than it used to be. (laughs) Amen. We're still here. And being still here, you know, we're not here for playtime. Amen. We're not here for playtime. We're not here for entertainment. You need to look up that word and look look up the roots of that word. Entertain. Enter means to to, to, uh, push into, to... The word in the dictionary was impregnate. It means to get into, and then it says this, taint, taint. In other words, uh, that means putrid stuff that taints things. Like clabbered milk. You ever had clabbered milk? <coughs> Amen. Spoilt things. Entertainment. Amen. That's what entertainment's all about. It's going to get into your mind and it's going to sow seeds in your mind and it's going to put things in your mind that ought not be there. And then I got thinking about this thing, man. You are what you think. Amen. The other night we preached and we used them verses in in, in Philippians there about think on these things. You are what you think. You get to thinking about something too long and it's going to run you. Amen. That's why it's so important, amen, to keep this thing in order according to God and control that thing and think on the right things. 
But here it is. Paul knows, amen. Hey, he's been in the ministry now a few years and the Lord ain't come back yet. And he's going to leave. And if the Lord don't come back before he leaves, these folks are going to be left to serve God without him. Amen. But they know how to do it with God. I went to New Guinea and the one thing I wanted to teach him was not to follow me and rely on me. I said, follow me as I follow Christ. But I'm trying to get them to the point where, listen, man, when I'm gone, they can do it. Yeah. Amen? Amen. I was told by a missionary. He said these bush and I won't use the, the he used the improper terms, you know, but he said these, these bush folk. He said they'll never get it down with the indigenous church. I said, then that Bible's a lie. God's a liar. and We might as well go home and get drunk. Amen. I don't care who you are. Amen. That book transcends culture, every culture. It transcends American culture. Amen. I had people say, you're trying to make Americans out of us. I said, no, I'm trying to make Bible-believing Christians out of you. I preach against this stuff in America, too. Amen? Because it's wrong, according to the Bible. Amen? So here's Paul. He knows, man, when he leaves, it's already been sung, the battle. Amen? The battle's going to rage. And they need to know what's up. Amen? Information. <laughs> Good information on the battle will help you. I uh, got a guy who was my student. He's a graduate now. He's up in Wisconsin. And uh, he, uh, he was intel guy. Intel guy, right? And you know what he did? He gathered all the intel on all the enemy sightings and all the amen and, and their movements and, and amen. He could tell you where they were going to go. And he had to feed that thing to the, to the guys in charge of the battle calling the shots. Why? So they had set themselves up so they could fight this thing and, and take out the enemy. Amen. I'm here to tell you, man, it's, it, he knew this thing's going to get rough. So we're not here. Amen. To, 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 it's not a it's not a playground. This ain't the sandbox. This ain't sandbox 101. Amen. No, this is this is amen. Battleground 101. Amen. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord's been coming back for 2000 years. But you know what? He wants us to be busy about his work. He told us to occupiedly come. That's right. Amen. And occupy don't mean just sit there. Amen. When, when you occupy a country, that means you took it over. Amen. And you're in charge and they're going to do what you tell them to do. Right. Yeah. Amen. So then you read Luke 12, verse 40. It says this. Be therefore ready also for the son of man cometh in an hour when you think not. So you can sit and wait all you want, but that ain't going to move him to come any faster. Amen. So Peter asked there in verse 41 in Luke 12, said, Lord, speak us out of this parable unto us or even to all. And the Lord replies this, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Then there in verse 33, the Lord connects the faithful and wise steward as a servant. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So you see, he ain't just sitting around. Amen. Amen. And Paul knows, man. Hey, listen, it's going to be a battle. Amen. There's already some folks there that have proven they're ready to be in the battle. Amen. That's part of basic training. That's what they put you through that for. So, you, amen, get yourself ready for the battle. So when the battle comes, you know what to do. So here Paul's telling him, he said, look, man, he said, uh, some things are going to happen when I leave. And, you know, I love it. I love getting in meetings where God just shows up, man. You remember the old camp meetings of old, you know? And man, I'm telling you, I've been in somewhere, you know, they, they shoo, like this the first night. And then by the end of the week, they kind of, they level off. And then by the end of the week, they kind of back down to, to, to reality again. Back down to the nasty now and now, as a friend of mine used to say. 
And then I've been in some, man, where it went up and never came down. It never leveled off, man. Every night was just, yahoo, right through the roof. I mean, you know. But I'll tell you what happened. After that meeting's over, I mean, I'd drive all the way to Georgia, man. I lived in, over here in Pennsylvania in the mountains, and I'd drive all the way to Georgia just to get to a meeting. And I'd go down to the meeting, and the meeting was just right through the roof, man. People shouting and carrying on, having a grand old time in the Lord. Good preaching. I'm on the altar. Amen. But I had to get in that car and drive home. Therein started the problem. Amen. When, when, when the high time was over, amen. When you got back down to, amen, to earth, amen. When you got back down to reality, the reality is, amen, you've been in church all week, praise God, but tomorrow's coming. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to put any, whoa, look at me. I'm just trying to tell you, amen. Paul knew this. He's trying to prepare them for what's coming ahead. You know what that book says about a, a, a prudent man? It says it twice in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 27, uh, 2 and uh, 26, 2, 27, 13, I think it is. I might have those backwards, but it's right in there. It says this, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. That prudent man sees evil coming and he gets out of the way and lets it go. Amen. How does he do that? It's called walking with God. Amen. It's called being in touch with God. I used to work in a glass factory and we had this thing. We, they called us strippers. We had to strip molds like this. You take the lid off of this. this it's baked glass. It actually raises like bread. And they, they take the lid off, strip that lid off and, and grab the, 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 the bread amen, and push the bottom half. And they go down, get on the line, go back around, get filled again, come back through the oven. And you take that and stick it back in here and put it in there like that. We had this, this the, the, the furnace right here in front of us, 1,750 degrees Fahrenheit. The layer back here that started the cooling process, 1,350 degrees Fahrenheit. Until it came out the other end, then it was about 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So you got all that heat right there. They had heat shields. So you'd strip that top half of the pan and skip, strip it out of the bottom half, and, and you'd turn around. As you were turning around, you went, Psh! and you reached up and hit a wire, and a wire tripped this thing, the shield that went up to keep the heat over there. They did the same thing over here. You ground it onto the layer, and then you hit that thing. You turned around, and that took that shield up. About that time, this shield comes down, and you're stripping another one, getting it ready to go. Had an old boy named Tommy. Tommy had been, he, I mean, I think he was born in the plant, you know. And uh, he's standing there, and one night is wintertime. In wintertime, they had these great big, they call them Robinson ventilators. Go right through the roof. There'd be a big, wide swath cut right down through the center of the roof that would, that would ventilate the heat out. And then it went up into another little roof like this, and it would go up out like that and under that roof and get out. And so, but in the wintertime, you get cold air. And you get that heat rising off them layers and off them ovens, and you get condensation. So it would freeze up in there. Well, we had these great big uh, ventilator shafts that came down to where we were standing so that it could direct cold air down to us. And you're standing, they've got six layers, six lines here. And Tommy's over here, I'm the next one over. And I look over there, and here's Tommy. He's just standing there. And he had just put this, this piece in the layer, and he turned around, waiting on the thing to open up for the next pan. And he didn't, he didn't move fast at all. Tommy wasn't a fast fellow. He just kind of walked over like this, stood there like that. About that time, crash! Down comes about a ton of ice and just smashed into smithereens. Tommy just walked back over and... Went back to work. You know what happens? There's a lot of God's folks, amen, they don't get out of the way. 
They don't get out of the way. They're playing with things that messes up their ability, amen, to discern. And when they get their discernment messed up, they can't see, amen, that, amen, or they're not in the Bible like they should be. And they can't see because there's no light on their path from God to say, look out, here it comes. That's what Paul's doing here. He's trying to warn them, man, there's something coming. Be ready. Be ready. It ain't to scare you. It ain't so you can run in, you know, off somewhere and just, oh, man, bury your head in the sand. No. It's so when it's coming, you can get out of the way. You can hide yourself in God and let God take care of it. And you don't have to get knocked out. Amen. And so, you know, it's. Uh, there in verse 17, Acts 20, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus. Called the elders of the church. Look at verse 19. And serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations. Humility. We talked about that a little bit last night. Humility. Paul was serving the Lord in front of all these Ephesians. You know what they knew? They knew Paul was a servant of God. Yeah. Amen. You know what I've known? Knowing your pastor for a long time, he's a servant of God. Amen. And there's some servants in here. Amen. So. You think about that thing, OK. Tomorrow. What are you going to do to serve God? Tomorrow. I've been in church all week. Yeah, but what are you going to do tomorrow? You know, tomorrow still has 24 hours in it. Amen. It still has all them minutes and all them seconds. I ain't added that all up, but it's a lot of them. Amen. What are you going to do tomorrow? Huh? Amen. Serve God. What is it you do specifically for God? Something you do because you love God and you just want to put a smile on his face, Brother Sam Gip used to say. Something you do with humility, not looking for any recognition or praise. I don't know if you got in here. I, I mean, I pastored a little bit myself. Of course, started churches in several places. And uh, I can't tell you the number of times people come up to me and say, hey, preacher, look what I did. And my first question in my mind is, why are you telling me? Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. And most of the folks like that, I mean, there's some young Christians. They need a pat on the back. I understand that. That's a good thing. But you take a guy been saved for a long time, he don't need to tell you what he did. You know where you can find him? I know one thing. I know where I'm going to find him. I know where I'm going to find several of you. Because I know you a little bit now. I know where I'm going to find Dave Spurgeon. Amen. And like the preacher said, 65 years old, here we are. It's still here. I know. You know, I don't know if some of you remember when my daughter Tracy got right with God. She'd been out of, out of church, out of, you know, out of sorts. It was in the old building over here on, uh, what do you call that, Fairfield Road at Charity, camp meeting. And she'd been out and she got messed up a little bit. And so I just, uh, you know, oh, well, she started down the aisle and I thought, oh. She walked up to Brother Gresham. He was the pastor at the time and during the camp meeting. And he sh I said, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I don't know. Don't let her say anything stupid, you know. I mean, she'd been out, out of sorts with me, out of sorts with God. And she walked up there and Brother Tom said, let her, let her speak. And she stood there on the floor and she turned around and looked. She said, I want to thank God for Charity Baptist Church. She said, because when I wanted to get right with God, I knew where I could get right with God. And she began to weep. And she said, I want to thank God for my daddy. Because when I wanted to get right with God, I knew where I'd find my daddy. See? Amen? I hope that's your testimony tonight. 
And I'm not bragging. That's where we all ought to be. They ought to know where we're going to be. But Mike says, guy calls him on the phone when he's preaching. The guy knows what he's doing, too. He's being a jerk. But listen, man, everybody ought to know. We're talking about today. Listen, but Dave get phone calls in church, right? Hey, listen, man, his friends know where he is. Hey, man, anybody knows him knows where he is, right? He's serving God, bless God. Uh, don't bother him right now. Amen. Man, in my day, Joe, listen, when I was a boy growing up, you did not call somebody at work unless somebody just died. Amen. I mean, you didn't do it. Why? Because they're working, man. Leave them alone. But I can't tell how many times the phones go off in church, man. You know what I found out? You are not that important. Neither am I. We are not that important, man. Uh, my phone is not on me. Why? Because if I brought that thing in here, sure enough, I would sit in the pew. Or I'd come up here and start preaching. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Hey, answer me. No, man. Forget it. If it rings up there, it can talk to itself. Amen. I'm serving God, man. I chose to do that. Then he goes on. He says this. He said, verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. There's something that you must do for the Lord because your spirit won't allow you to sit still. Amen. 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 You ever get under conviction sitting? I mean, yeah, you're tired. I mean, you get a little older. Us older folks understand it, you know. I mean, we're there, right? And man, you just got to rest. I mean, I'm trying to sing tonight. I got to stop about every third word, man, and get, get a breath. Man, I used to sing the whole song and then take a breath. I can't do that anymore. And it's like, man, so I'll just go and put my feet up for a few minutes. My wife said, what you doing? I said, I'm taking a break. Oh, well, man, I'm sitting there a little bit. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost gets all over me and says, yeah, you need to do this. Get up and do it. Quit sitting around, man. You're wasting time here. Amen. Say, don't do that to me. Well, maybe he ought to. Amen. Amen. You know, folks say, well, I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I tithe. Good for you, man. You know what? Lost people do that, too. Amen. And they don't even know God. Amen. Serving God goes farther than that, man. It goes the extra mile. It goes out into the highways and the hedges and everywhere you go. You know, one thing that really gets me about those, those early Christians what the Bible said about them. Oh, they needed a visitation program. No, they didn't. You know what their visitation program was? It was their life. Amen. The Bible says they went everywhere preaching the word. Amen. I mean, down to the Ford dealership, down at the grocery store. Amen. Down to Harley shop. Amen. Uh, you heard Brother Spurgeon's testimony. He's looking for a chance, man. Hey, I like that bike. Let me tell you about this and that. And, and he's wrenched a few, so he knows. Here, let me, let me give you my story. Amen. I'm telling you, man. And hey, listen, it's easy. I know you guys got a lot of tracks out there. I've already borrowed some. Amen. But I'm here to tell you. And they're the best. Why? Because one of them's his testimony. And you go up, he just gave me some more today, man, so I don't have to run out. Amen. And I'm telling you, man, I use his and I use chick tracks. Why is that? Because they get red. Amen. Yeah, I've gone to the biggest, brother Steve, I've gone to the biggest, the baddest dude in, in, in the rest stop. You know, I've seen these guys get off of Harley's. I mean, I've seen Hell's Angels. I've seen outlaws get off the, their bike. You know, I've never had one of his tracks refused by that crowd. Let me give you a testimony of a brother. Amen. And he's my brother now. 
Amen. I'm telling you, man. Hey, listen, if you need an excuse, man, I'll give you one. Amen. Or better yet, just let God give you one. Right? Serving God. What's tight? Or is it just me? Hmm? Here he is. He had to do it. His spirit, he bound in the spirit. Headed for Jerusalem. Why? That's his people. And there he is, man. He's speaking of these things that cause pain and hurt sometimes. But he kept doing it because he was a servant of God and loved God. He served God. And then said there, the Holy, the Holy Ghost bore witness of it. Acts 20, 20, 20, 20 verse 23. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. You doing anything the Holy Ghost witnesses to people about? Something that when you leave, the Holy Ghost continues to bother them about? Huh? That's what I like to do. I always try to leave people with, with something going on up here to make them think. Amen. Why? Because most people that are in a cult, most people that aren't serving God, don't think about it. Amen. And I dealt with a guy in Las Vegas here a couple years ago, Mexican fella, and the JWs had got him, and I went to talk to him, and man, he started trying to give me the pat answers from the JWs. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. That, that's not what the Bible says. Look here. And I, and man, before it was over, he was in knots, and I said, look, man, you need to understand something. There's a true way. And if I was you, I'd work to find it. The Bible says you should know the truth. The truth should make you free. Amen. You want to be free? Find the truth. The truth is right Amen. here. It ain't in that place you're going to. Amen. Amen. Make them think. Right? And uh, verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count on my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Man, is that what you're doing? Is it, does it bring real lasting joy? If you're serving God, listen, I, you ain't got to be a preacher to have fun at this thing. Amen. Amen. You ain't got to be a missionary evangelist. Amen. All you got to be is a servant of God. Everywhere you go, just tell people about Jesus. Man, it's easy. Amen. Amen. And it's fun. Amen. It's fun watching people squirm. Amen. And they said this, and now behold, I know that y'all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. He knows he's leaving. And then uh, he said, I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, people say, well, nobody's that good. Paul was. He said he did. And the Holy Ghost wrote it down. Amen. Listen, somebody out there is waiting. Somebody out there is watching. And after this thing's over, I mean, some of them know you're here tonight. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a co-worker. They know you've been here all week. You know what they're going to expect? They're going to expect to hear something about it. Amen. And don't be like the one that says, well, you just can't do that here. You know what I do? I do it anyway. Amen. I do. People say you can't do that here. Too late. I already did it. Like Jack Patterson said, I figure it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission, right? I'm just going to preach Jesus. I understand. Be a little, you know, discreet about things sometimes. Sometimes you've got to be, like Paul said about those that are of, of reputation, you kind of secretly, kind of quietly, but that still don't stop you from getting them the gospel. Amen? I, uh, I, the Lord has, has had me in places where I have witnesses to, witnessed to prime ministers, presidents, 
seen them face to face, talked to them about the Lord. You know what I found out about them, Brother Tom? They put their pants on the same way I do. Same way you do. They got a soul just like we do, and they need Jesus. That is right. Amen. I've prayed, man. I prayed while the whole time Obama was in office. I said, Lord, just give me one chance. That's all I need, one chance. Amen. I didn't get it, but I guarantee you somebody else did. Amen. Then he goes on, he says, uh, verse 29. This, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Uh, listen, man, uh, this thing ain't just for preachers here. I was a wolf dog before I was ever a full-time preacher. And at times I had to go to my preacher. Amen. You know what you need? You know what, this, you know what the preacher needs? You know what this church needs? Some good wolf dogs. Say, what's a wolf dog? Get with a preacher. He'll show you. Get in your Bible. They're, they're right here. Amen. He'll show you. You got to be able to discern it. See, it goes back to that thing of walking with God and having the spirit of God about you. Amen. And, and having that word of God in you to spot a fake. You know how, you know how they uh, tell the difference between a fake hundred and a real hundred? They handle the real thing enough. They, they're familiar with it. And when they handle that fake, when they know it's not real. Amen. I'm telling you, brethren, they come in. I've seen them. We had one one time I was in a church over in Pennsylvania and that guy came in and oh, he was just flowery. Man, he was all nice and he was all pretty. And you know, that wolf comes into the flock. He don't come in and say, I'm the big bad wolf and I'm here to eat you. No, he sneaks in, man. And he takes his time. He's real patient. And this rascal come in. He is real patient. He was gathering around. Well, yeah, he talked about and, and everybody in the church homeschooled, you know, so he was all about homeschooling, you know. Well, then one day I saw him and he'd pick out one of the weaker members. And he's back in that back corner. There's a little area like a, about, I don't know, like 10 rows of pews was missing back there or something. And he's back in that corner. And I watch him. And he's whispering and he's keeping it low. Why are you keeping it low back there with that fella? Amen. Something, something ain't right here. So what I did, I said, I'm a, I'm gonna find this out. So there was just happened to be somebody in that last row there. So I walked back there and I turned my back like this, but I had my head like that. So I could hear. And I'm talking to this brother here, and I'm talking back, and I'm listening to this guy. You know what he's doing? He's tearing down everything my preacher just said from the pulpit. And he's tearing down every family in that church at home schools. I mean, he's tearing down everything we're doing. Say, so what'd you do? Well, I want to jump the pew and pound him. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pull them down strongholds. Amen. Casting down imaginations and every high thing exalts self against knowledge of God. So I went to my preacher. And I said, preacher, you got a wolf. He said, really? I said, yes, you do. Who is it? I named him. He said, well, brother, you know, I said, brother, I'm telling you, everything you just said in that pulpit, he's back there tearing it down. Everything people are doing in this church trying to serve God, he's back there tearing it down to one man. And it's always the same guy. I wonder what's going on with that. So preachers, I'll tell you what, we'll go visit him. So we went and visited him, right? And so we went, and I, I'm just, hey, listen. I mean, I sat with these guys today who did most of the talking. It wasn't me. And I'm not bragging. I just, I'd rather listen. And it's better to keep my mouth shut and make them think I'm wise and open my mouth and prove I'm not. Right? So I went, and I let my preacher do all the talking. And I sat there, and that guy started with stuff. 
And man, he's, he's oh, on and on. Oh, preacher, your messages are just wonderful. They're just, oh, they're fantastic. I'm, I'm telling you, I've heard the Bible believers, the finest, you, you got messages. I mean, puts them all to shame. I mean, brother, whoo, you know. On and on he went. I thought, you lying scumbag. That ain't what you said back there. And man, I'm just, uh, you know, I let it go, let it go, let it go. And the preacher, you know, he just, well, he said, fine, and we'll pray and we'll go. So he, the preacher prayed, and we left, we got in the car, and he said, what do you think? I said, I think you just got hornswoggled by a wolf. He said, why do you say that, brother? I said, because the things he told you is not the things he said back there. I said, back there, he's tearing the church down. He's tearing you down right there. He's buttering you up and greasing you on a skid, man. He's trying to push you off into a precipice somewhere and put you down the ditch, amen, so you don't get out. Flowery words, man. Watch out when he start talking with flowery words. Amen. And I said, preacher, that guy's a wolf. He said, well, brother, you know, once you're saved a while, and I was, man, I, I wasn't always a nice guy. You know what I mean? I mean, I'd fry you in a skinny minute. That's just the way I was. You know, as you get a little older, you find out you got to have grace with people. You know what grace doesn't do? Grace does not put up with sin. Grace overcomes sin. God did not give you grace so you can live like hell and then claim to be saved. Grace is there to give you victory over sin, victory over the flesh, victory over the world, victory over the devil. Not to let them run you. And I said, preacher, grace or not, I'm just here to get, serve you notice. Mark that guy. He's going to get you. Next service. The guy was gone. Want to guess who was gone with him? Same guy he'd been puking in his ear. Preacher came up to me and he said, well, I'm sorry. I said, sorry for what? He said, I should have listened. I said, well, I just, I just call it like I see it. That's all. Sure enough. And we got this guy out in Phoenix. It's real big at that, you know. The guy's a wolf. And uh, he sends out disciples. When he finds there's a church in, in an area that believes like Sam Gipp believes. You can find this on the Internet, on YouTube. Okay. That believes like Sam Gipp believes. You know, rightly dividing and all that stuff, you know. They need to be split. And he'll send, he'll send disciples out to do it. He sent, he sent three in about a six-week time to Las Vegas, to the church there. First one came, and I was back east. I was on my way, and he kept telling me, oh, you got to meet this guy, brother. He wants to go to the Bible Institute. He's excited about the Bible. Where's he from? Phoenix? I said, nah, he's not. I guarantee you he's not. Well, when you come, you'll see. I said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So I got there. Boy, you got to meet this guy. Well, come visitation. In the door he comes. Guess who they put him with? They paired him up with me because he was excited about the Bible. He wanted to learn the Bible. He wanted to go to the institute. Before I got out of the parking lot, man, this guy started, he opened his mouth and he's like, I let him go blah, 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 blah for about an old, I don't know, mile. And I said, you know, all that'd be fine if the Bible didn't say, and I started quoting verses. And I went round and round and round and round verses to show him that Matthew 24 was not Amen. Doctrinally for the church going into the tribulation. Amen. And who it was for. And I mean, I went through every, every avenue I could remember. And I had just taught it the year before that. So I, I still a little bit fresh. Got all done. He, and he went right back to the same thing. He started going around the same circle again. 
And I said, look, man, I, you, you give me this thing over and over again. I said, I've just given you at least 150 verses. You know what the Bible says about a man that's an heretic? After the first and second admonition reject, I've just given you 150 of them. Now what are you going to do? And he just wouldn't hear it. He just kept trying to drive it in. I said, look, you are not interested in what the Bible says. You're interested in what your guru says. Amen. The Bible's totally different than that. See, I don't have a guru. I got a God. And I got a book from that God. And I said, here it is. And so we got out, I don't know, the next week they sent him out again. They sent him with me and Brother Allen and a couple other guys. We were tracking a neighborhood, you know, and, and Brother Allen, he, he, he messed up, man. He got a hold of Brother Allen the wrong way. He went up to a door and started his little nonsense. And Brother Allen just walked up to him, tapped him on his shoulder, said, come here. But I'm, he said, come here now. So we got out to the street. He wasn't going to do it in front of the people, you know. They shut their door, which was great. We got out in the street. And he looked at him. He said, uh, give me the tracks you got in your pocket. He said, why? He said, those tracks are from our church and you're done. He said, I'm not done. You can't put me out like that. He said, give me your tracks. I don't have to. Brother Allen went. He said, now get. You can't do that. I'll call the pastor. Brother Allen put out his phone. Pastor, he needs to talk to you. Pastor says, meet me at the church. So he started a little circular deal with the pastor. And Brother Spurgeon's met the pastor. He knows I've known him since he was, you know, about that high. Now he's about that high and he's about that wide. He's, he's a big man. And he's standing there and he started getting on the pastor. Pastor got broke back in three places. He didn't care. He told him, he said, look, he said, I've, I've already told you now, we are not going to adhere to your guru's doctrine. We adhere to the Bible. And listen, if you don't want to adhere to the Bible, then there is the door. You need to leave now. I don't have to leave. Brother Mitch looked at him eyeball to eyeball and said, you will leave or I will physically put you out that door. <laughs> out he went. Out he went. Two weeks later, another one shows up. I'm telling you, brethren, he's wondering and he's worried. Hey, he's warning them. Hey, there's wolves out there and they're coming your way. Right. You better watch. You better watch. Amen. So in this guy comes and right off the bat, I see him come in the door. So I go up and, and preachers standing right here. So I go up right here and I get myself but the back door straight out the back. I get myself between the preacher and the door, but I leave him a view over my left shoulder. I look at him. I said, preacher, look over my left shoulder. He said, what? I said, see that guy? He said, yeah. I said, that's another Andersonite. You think so? I said, how do you know? I said, look at him. Look at the way he carries himself. They all have a spirit about them, and they all got a proud, haughty look at them. Amen. I said, look at him. I'll go find out. He went back. He said, excuse me. He said, uh, my name's, you know, told him what it was. and told him he's a pastor. And so shakes his hand. He says, uh, where'd you come from? Oh, he said, I'm, I'm from Phoenix. He said, uh, Tempe? He said, yeah. He said, uh, yeah, do, you, do you know Stephen Anderson? He said, yeah. He said, uh, well, he said, I'm just going to tell you right now, you won't like what you get here, and we don't follow that, and you're not going to like it here, so you might as well leave now. We'll give you the option. You can leave graciously, or he said, I got some deacons and enough men. We'll help you out. Guy left. One week later, a woman shows up. Man, you know it's bad when you've got to recruit the women. <laughs> Got no men. Amen. Same thing. Wolves, brother. You know, learn, learn what a wolf is. Study them. Amen. I, I did. You learned some things. You ever seen a full size 
Canadian timber wolf? I mean, I have from here to that door. I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to see one that close again. Amen. They will flat scare the fire out of you. Amen. It's not something to be played with. Amen. You don't pet it. Yet wolves start coming into church and people want to pet them. Oh, nice wolf. Hey, we can domesticate this wolf. No, you can't. No, you can't. Oh, he'll make a nice pet. No, he's not a puppy dog. How do you know that? Puppy dog is P-U-P-P-Y-D-O-G, right? Wolf is W-O-L-F. They're different. Amen? The Bible mentions three types of wolves the Christian will encounter. A, ravening wolves. Ezekiel 22, 27, Matthew 7, 15. You know what they do? They come to destroy souls. That's what they're here for. Amen? Evening wolves. Habakkuk 1, 8, Zephaniah 3, 3. You know what they do? They like the dark side of things. You find them guys, amen, all they can do is talk about the dark side of stuff. You get them into a spiritual conversation, man, they clam up and disappear. Why? Because they don't know nothing about it and they don't want to talk about it. I just soon sit and talk about God all day long, man. That's fun to me. I like it. You know, they like that dark side. They won't obey God's authority in the church. They like to gnaw on the bones of their prey the day after the kill. You know, what's that? They're gloating about who they took down. Amen. Then you got grievous wolves, Acts 20, 29. You know, they're only there for one thing. Tear up the flock of God. That's all they're there for. They are not there to be a blessing to this church. They're not there to be a blessing to you. They want you to be a blessing to them. Amen. And they want to ruin you. Amen. So you study it all out, right? And there's a few different adjectives that describe a wolf. You know, evening, ravening, all that. Grievous, right? But uh, you're only going to find, if you study it scientifically, you'll find one classification for every wolf in the world. They're all part of a family. And, and, and the scientific name is Canis lupus. You know what that tells me? A wolf is a wolf is a wolf. I don't care what time of the day he comes out. I don't care what he's associated with. He is still a wolf. And there is only one thing you can do with a wolf. What do you do? You pull out the 1611 gauge cannon. You pull both triggers. And you let him have both barrels right straight down the gun barrel. Amen. And you put him out of his place. And you get him out. Why? Because he is not here to be a part. He is not here to add to what's going on. He is not here to encourage the spirit of God. He is here to destroy. Amen. Amen. And it's you he's after. Amen. Blast him out. So Paul said this. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. Man, watch, listen, when there's wolves in, in, in the midst, this thing won't have free course and be glorified. Because somebody is always ill at ease. Listen, when I could see that wolf that close to me, I was in my car. My wife was with me. We were coming down a highway out of Ontario, Canada. We had been up way up in North Ontario, up to Pickle Lake. And we're coming down through, we're almost down to Minnesota. But we're going down this big long swale like this. And, and it's actually on my left side, but it's that close to the road. I mean, that thing was six to seven feet long without the tail. I mean, it stood that high at the shoulders. That was no baby wolf. And I'm telling you what, you talk about feeling freaky. I did not want to get closer to see what he was made of, Joe. I didn't want to go look at him so I could pet him. 
I said, man, if I, if I wasn't in Canada, I'd have a gun beside me. I'd shoot that rascal. <laughs> Why? Ain't no good wolves. Kind of like snakes. How many good snakes are there? Dead ones. Yeah. Amen. 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 Dead ones. A good wolf is a dead wolf. Amen. Amen. Here not too long ago over in New York State, up just north of me, somebody shot a wolf. You know what gets me? Here we are now. We're, we're going into the 21st century. Amen. And, and the ranchers have fought and, and farmers have fought and they've shot wolves off and they've shot all these predators off. And now the stinking government's turned them loose on us again. Yeah. Amen. Now here they are again. I saw a mountain lion on the farm just a year or so ago. Never had a mountain lion. Never saw one the whole time I was growing up because they were extinct. They were gone. Oh, the poor little thing got a right to live. No, it don't. Why? Amen. Why? Ruin my cattle. Amen. Ruin my puppy dog. Amen. Ruin the livestock. That's why they're dead. You want to eat. Next time you want to eat, try eating a wolf. Amen. I'd rather eat the dog. I'd rather eat the, the, the cow, man. They taste better. Amen. And so here's this book. If it's going to have liberty in your midst like it has had, you're going to have to keep it straight. You're going to have to pay attention. Amen. And not allow things that will destroy. Not allow things. That, that, amen. Because people get around them and they're ill at ease. I can't trust that guy. Amen. I mean, I'm looking out at a crowd tonight. It's been here just about every night. Yeah, I pretty much trust everybody. But you know what? If I see him going, I'm going to do the same thing. Amen. Why? Because he's the shepherd. God's given him the sense to watch out for him. And if he says, wolf, don't you say pussycat. If he says, wolf, don't you say puppy dog. If he says, wolf, you screaming, Wolf! Get him out! I'm with you, preacher. Let's do it. Amen. Why? Because who's going to be next? That's the thing that gets me. And people allow wolves in the family, man, to sneak in and do things to their family. Why? That's your child. You raised my baby. And you're going to let a wolf put his hands on him? You're nuts. You're going to let a wolf come in here? Hey, man, this man has labored. Others have labored and cried and wept and invited and passed out tracts and gone and tried to get somebody saved. And they come and they finally get here. Amen. And a wolf's going to show up and try to destroy that? You're going to let it happen? Not me. I'll be the first one to tell you. There's a wolf right there. Watch him. Amen. Why? Because I know what they do. I've seen how they tear up a herd. One wolf can do a lot of damage to a big herd. Amen. But that book right there will help you spot them. That book will help you. It'll give you the liberty to call it out where it at. Amen. That book will give you the liberty to stand when they come in. Amen. That's why it's so important to keep it pure. Keep him, amen, fed up. I mean, not fed up, but, ugh, but fed up. I mean, keep, keep him happy, man. I mean, do right. You want to keep him happy? Do right. Just do right. I mean, practice what he's preaching. Practice what you're reading in that Bible. And fight against the wolves. Amen. That book will build you up. It will strengthen you so you can serve God in these evil days. Give you light and understanding to spot the wolf and call him out.